0: So, while yes, the Antichrist will obviously be against Christ, he will actually be a pseudo or fake Christ to the world. So, while Jesus was rejected and crucified by the world, this man will be openly accepted and worshipped. Hello and welcome to the Millennial Apologist podcast. I'm your host, Nathan, and in this episode, we are going to look at perhaps the most well-known End Times uh, Bible topics, which are the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast. And now, the word used for the study of the End Times is eschatology. Uh, And as a disclaimer, eschatology is incredibly complex, and there are some details that we simply will not be confident about, In this lifetime. But with that said, I'm going to try and present what I believe are the most accurate positions on these topics and just know that I will not be able to cover every single detail in this episode here. Uh, I'm going to begin by talking about the Antichrist because his rise to power must precede the mark of the beast. After discussing some basics about the Antichrist, I'll then talk about the mark of the beast and how this all relates to a one-world government. Let's begin. So the Bible states that before the return of Christ, an extremely powerful ruler will emerge, which will have authority over the entire world. And even though the entire world will follow this guy, his authority and influence actually come from Satan and the powers of darkness. One of the most clear passages that states this is uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses four to one, where Paul writes, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So the terms man of sin and son of perdition here are just two of the many different titles that the Bible applies to this character, of which the most commonly known term is obviously the Antichrist. And so it's interesting to note that the actual word Antichrist only appears in the New Testament epistles of John, uh, and it's often used in regards to a spirit or a mindset rather than an individual. Uh, for example, 1 John 4.3 says that every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So notice that John says here 2,000 years ago that there was already a spirit or power of Antichrist already brewing in the world Uh, This can also be seen a couple chapters earlier in 1st John 2 18 Which says little children? It is the last hour and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming even now many Antichrists have appeared from this. We know that it is the last hour so there's the spirit of Antichrist which can take hold of people uh, turning them into a sort of antichrist representative, if you will. Uh, but the individual character, which we usually refer to as the antichrist, is basically the culmination of all this evil and wicked spirit, all concentrated into one person in the end times. And as that passage we read earlier said from Second Thessalonians, The Antichrist is going to proclaim himself to be God, and the world is actually going to believe him. Another very informative label for the Antichrist can be found in the book of Revelation, which refers to him as the Beast. Uh, In Revelation 12, John sees a vision of a great dragon that is meant to represent Satan. And after John describes this vision of the dragon opposing God's order and waging war on the people of God, he says in Revelation 13 verses 1 to 8 that I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns and on his horns ten crowns and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon, which is meant to represent Satan, the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been lethally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed." And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world." I noticed that uh, the beast, so the antichrist, one of his defining characteristics in this passage and the others that talk about him is he has this just blasphemous mouth and he just continuously speaks ungodly things and blasphemies against God. Um, this uh, biblical commentator I like to listen to, uh, the late Chuck Missler, Um, He's nicknamed the Antichrist Mr. Big Mouth (laughs) because one of his defining characteristics is that he just makes it clear with his words that he is opposed to Yahweh, the God of the Bible. And I I know that was a lot to take in, that passage there, but two things in particular really stand out to me here. The first is that uh, it says that the dragon, which is Satan, Will empower the beast and that the beast's influence on the world will result in people worshiping both satan and the beast himself so the scope of the beast's power is universal because verse 8 says that the entire world will worship him so this guy is going to be so powerful that people will view him as actually being indestructible. Furthermore, everyone who is not a Christian will end up following this guy, which will result in the beast intentionally going after Christians and trying to kill them to the point of extinction. And so at the very end times here, there's only going to be either Christians or followers of the Antichrist. There's going to be no one else. Just you're either going to be a believer or a follower of the Antichrist, if you are in this end time scenario. And so the second detail, which stands out to me about that passage in Revelation that we just read, um, is that the passage appears to say that one of the reasons why many people will follow the beast is because of some sort of miraculous healing that will take place. The passage says that the wound will appear to be fatal, implying that the beast will not actually die from whatever wound this is and so what i think this passage is saying is that the antichrist will perform a false resurrection that will fool the entire world and so this kind of gets into an interesting topic which is um, this fact really demonstrates how this man will be a pseudo or fake Christ Uh, now see Jesus if you recall in the Gospels Jesus said that his main sign of authenticity would be his resurrection and the beast here is going to try and mimic this so while yes the Antichrist will obviously be against Christ he will actually be a pseudo or fake Christ To the world so while Jesus was rejected and crucified by the world this man will be openly accepted and worshiped some even note that the Antichrist will likely be Jewish just like Jesus because in order for all of the Jews to follow him they will have to accept him as their Messiah from the line of David the world will be so chaotic when the Antichrist comes on the scene Uh, everyone will be desperate for a leader and this man will basically be all things to all people here is a great quote from Jacob Prosh in the documentary the Daniel Project about the Antichrist
1: there will be a convergence of calamities environmental economic, political, and strategic taking place, much of it centered in the Middle East. In desperation, the world will look to a political leader and a religious leader as some kind of a redeemer figure. It's curious that as we enter the world we're in now, New Ages are waiting for someone called Matriya, Muslims are waiting for the Mahdi. Buddhists are waiting for the Fifth Buddha, Jews are waiting for the advent of the Messiah. Christians are waiting for the return of Christ. A spiritual counterfeit will come, quite possibly being all things to all people. He will be able to unite the world's faiths with a political agenda, coming as this messianic figure, posing as having a capability of restoring prosperity and stability in an atmosphere of utter chaos that has people terrified. In their terror about what's transpiring environmentally, What's transpiring strategically and economically, they will look to a man instead of to God, and they'll get one. This is the one the New Testament calls the man of sin, the Antichrist. He will come to power assisted by a corrupted global religious system.
0: And I think that clip makes a great point of how this Antichrist will be all things to all people. And that's why uh, in the All of It discourse, when Jesus is talking about the end of the world. He says that there will be false Christs and people claiming that he has already come back. In Matthew 24 verses 23 to 26, Jesus says, If any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. I have told you before, therefore, if they shall say to you, Behold, he is in the desert, do not go forth, Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. So we see here that Jesus himself predicts that people are going to come in his name and even perform miracles that are so convincing that they're going to persuade the entire world except for true believers who have a a true knowledge of God and of the truth. And uh, so we saw in Revelation 13 that the Antichrist is basically like Satan's representative or sidekick here on earth. And a lot of people actually relate that to uh, Genesis 3.15, the the proto-evangelion, which is basically the first or the pre-good news all the way back in Genesis, uh, when God curses the serpent and says, "'I will put enmity between you and the woman.'" And between your seed and her seed, it shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So that phrase, um, you know, talking about the seed of the woman is obviously a messianic prophecy of Christ, um, hints at the virgin birth as well. Um, But then that phrase seed of the serpent, uh, some commentators take that to be an allusion to this uh, future antichrist or this future representative of Satan here on earth. And so, just like Satan's sidekick is the Antichrist, most people are unaware that the Antichrist himself will also have a sidekick. And so, while the Antichrist is referred to as the beast, the Antichrist's sidekick is referred to as, you ready, the second beast, or the false prophet. And so, the ultimate act of control The antichrist and the false prophet will enact is what is commonly known as the mark of the beast and the mark of the beast is only explicitly mentioned in revelation so john says in revelation 13 verses 11 to 18 which that's right after that long passage we just read a while ago so right after that john says uh, i saw another beast coming up out of the earth And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. And so, here in this passage, we see that the Antichrist's sidekick is going to be performing all sorts of crazy miracles which will convince people to follow him. And if you think about it, most people in developed nations aren't used to miracles, right? (laughs) I mean, I don't know about you, but... I don't see miraculous healings or fire coming down from heaven on a daily basis. And that's a whole different conversation to have about spiritual gifts and the debate surrounding cessationism and all that. Uh, but, but the point I want to make here is that in the West, we have a secular paradigm. And so what that means is that the dominant worldview either completely Or highly disregards anything supernatural and labels it as nonsense so as nations continue to develop and adopt this secular ideology more and more people will stop believing in anything supernatural or miraculous and because of that everyone is going to marvel at the false prophets power If you think back to the story of Moses in Exodus and how he performed miracles right in front of Pharaoh and then Pharaoh's magicians also performed miracles like it was a common occurrence. I mean nobody even seemed to bat an eye over all of that and that's because people back then had a better understanding and respect of the supernatural realm. In today's world, We tend to automatically dismiss all of this supernatural talk as just silly fables. And that's why I truly believe the rise of secularism is actually priming the stage for the Antichrist. Because everyone is becoming so numb to the supernatural, as soon as the false prophet comes out and starts performing all of these crazy miracles then people are bound to follow him in all I, I mean imagine you know some guy being recorded live by the news legitimately calling fire down from heaven and seemingly raising someone from the dead and performing all sorts of other miracles i mean the world is going to be shocked by this um but thankfully god has given us as believers his perfect word so we can be prepared for whatever comes because god has supplied us uh, with such a just awesome detailed explanation of what to expect and um so uh, the other interesting part about revelation is that it says the false prophet will set up an image of the beast that will have the power to kill people who fail to worship it and so this part i feel like is not really well known but revelation 13 clearly said that the image of the beast itself would have the power to kill people Uh, and that's a pretty bizarre statement (laughs) and it must have seemed really insane uh, to christians reading that thousands of years ago but with modern technology This concept actually seems very plausible. Now, I have no idea what this image will be, but it could be argued that it would be some sort of artificial intelligence or robot of some kind uh, in order to have such advanced capabilities. So just something interesting to to ponder. Uh, But anyways, this passage acknowledges that the beast and the false prophet will be so powerful that they will institute a mandatory worldwide economic system. And so for this to take place, there obviously needs to be a one world government because the beast is going to have power over every nation. And uh, Christians usually use the term new world order to refer to this future satanic universal government. And nowadays, more than ever, we can see that a one-world government is definitely plausible. I mean, travel has become exponentially easier with airplanes and cars, and communication has become exponentially easier with cell phones and the internet. Uh, modern technology has made it so one man sitting in a room can influence the entire world of all at once (laughs) and so this is a very unique time we're living in and i can definitely see the stage being set for the antichrist and the false prophet and so concerning the mark of the beast here are four major characteristics of it so one it will be required to make any financial transaction two it will be physically connected to you by your right hand or your forehead. Three, if you don't receive the mark, the government will execute you. And four, the mark will somehow be associated with the number of the beast, which is 666. And what's really crazy is that the Bible plainly says, whoever gets the mark of the beast And this is the most important part here of the characteristics of this mark. Whoever gets the mark of the beast will end up in hell. So just like blaspheming the Holy Ghost, taking the mark of the beast also appears to be an act of no return. And this is made clear in uh, Revelation 14 verses 9 to 11, which say, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Now, when Christians hear this passage, they tend to worry and question whether or not a Christian could receive this mark accidentally and then lose their salvation, But the Bible is very clear that a Christian cannot lose their salvation. So this means that they cannot take the mark of the beast. Because Revelation says whoever receives this mark will go to hell, this means that if a Christian was hypothetically going to get the mark, God would likely just kill them before they could receive it. (laughs) Because... Obviously, it's much more loving for God to destroy a Christian's flesh and have their spirit go immediately to paradise with him forever than to let them take the mark. And it may also concern some people that the Bible does say whoever takes this mark uh, is too far gone and has lost their chance for any redemption. But this actually makes perfect sense if one understands the doctrine of reprobation. If you'd like to learn more about this doctrine, I highly recommend you listen to episode number nine of this podcast, titled, Does God Ever Reject People? Reprobation and Old Testament Genocide. Um, but put simply, the belief that no one is ever too far gone for salvation before they physically die is actually false on the contrary the bible says that if people are exposed to a sufficient amount of truth about god and the gospel but choose to reject him then god himself will actually harden people's hearts so they will never have the desire or mental ability to receive salvation and one of the clearest passages which proves the doctrine of reprobation actually concerns the end times and the antichrist Uh, second Thessalonians 2 verses 10 to 12 say that those who end up following the antichrist in the end times received not the love of the truth that they might be saved and for this cause god shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So whatever this mark is, it must involve some sort of extreme blasphemy or rejection of the truth about God. Notice that this passage states, once these people willingly choose to deny him and follow after the antichrist, it is God who will actively send them delusion so that they will be unable to be saved it may also be a possibility that the mark of the beast somehow alters your free will as a human being by suppressing part of your mental capacity and this could be some sort of transhuman technology that could link your brain with the machine uh <laughs> kind of like that Neuralink project or whatever that idea was uh, i think that was proposed by elon musk um but you know it's something like imagine how many people would love to sign up for something like this uh because you'd be able to just you know hook your brain up to a computer and just download huge amounts of information onto your brain in a matter of minutes just like you can transfer information from a computer to a computer so rapidly imagine being able to do that with your brain And I I do not doubt that eventually mankind will come up with technology that has the capability to do that. So that could be another possibility that you, you know, basically (laughs) turn into a cyborg and are linked to a computer and then kind of lose part of your humanity forever. Um, But that's, of course, all just speculation. Um, But another question about the Mark of the Beast, though, is why will it be on one's forehead or right arm? You know, it's, it's interesting that the Bible is so specific about that. And while we can only speculate here as well, uh, one possibility is that there will be some sort of chip inserted into everyone's right hand. And if someone doesn't have a right arm or a right hand, then they can just insert it into your forehead because everyone has a forehead. Another possibility is that it will be some sort of sign of allegiance to the Antichrist. And now this is pretty trippy, but some commentators believe that the Old Testament book of Zechariah actually makes an allusion to the Antichrist by talking about an idol shepherd. Uh, So Zechariah 11 verses 16 to 17 say, The Lord said to me, I will raise up a shepherd in the land which shall not visit those that be cut off neither shall seek the young one nor heal that that is broken nor feed that that stands still but he shall eat the flesh of the fat and tear their claws in pieces woe to the idle shepherd that leaves the flock the sword shall be upon his arm And upon his right eye, his arm shall be clean dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. So when this passage talks about an idol shepherd, it's the word idol, as in I-D-O-L, not I-D-L-E. And now we know from scripture that an idol is, Is basically a false god because it is something or someone which people worship instead of Yahweh whether that worship be intentional or unintentional so God is saying here that people will worship this false or idol shepherd instead of rightly worshiping God which is exactly what revelation states will happen with the Antichrist And notice that Zechariah says this idle shepherd will be injured on his right eye and his right arm, which is very similar to the mark of the beast being placed on one's right hand or forehead. And now recall that Revelation specifically states that the Antichrist will suffer a wound that will appear to be fatal but then he will be healed from his wound, simulating a pseudo-resurrection. So some commentators uh, have noticed this correlation and speculated that the reason why the mark of the beast will be on the right hand or forehead is because it will be some sort of commemorative symbol, basically, uh, of the injury that the Antichrist suffered but then recovered from. And again, obviously, this is all speculation here, but I think that uh, it's a pretty good connection to draw between Zechariah and Revelation. And what's really interesting about this also is that the verses in Zechariah, which directly precede this passage, are actually prophetic of the true Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so uh, I'd actually encourage you to go read Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 through 14, which accurately predicts that the Messiah would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, just like Jesus was by Judas Iscariot. Uh, So here in scripture, God gives us a prophecy about the true Messiah. And then right after, he gives us a prophecy of the false Messiah. (laughs) I I think that's pretty cool i think that's you know just another demonstration of how awesome god is and just the how intellectual the bible is um how god just set it up and said hey here's going to be you know one of the most detailed prophecies of the true messiah that he's going to be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver and those pieces will be cast to a potter in the house of the lord and this all happened you can read it in matthew this all happened with judas it was fulfilled to the t and then right after that, um, because obviously God knew that the the world and the Jews would reject the true Messiah, God goes on and says, okay, one day I'm going to raise up a false or a pseudo or an idol shepherd and he's going to lead many astray and he's going to be injured on his right arm and his right eye. So it's just an interesting correlation. It's the only uh, passage really that we can connect to um, you know the, the exact location of the mark of the beast on one's body but I just think that's, that's just an interesting study um, but now that we've looked at the antichrist and the mark of the beast let's look at a few claims about this topic that I believe are false uh, one of those claims is that this is all just symbolic which I think is total nonsense uh, the antichrist is mentioned or alluded to in the old testament books of daniel Zechariah, and more and he's also mentioned in the new testament books of second thessalonians first john and revelation um, and so because this topic is so widely spread throughout the bible and it's consistent in everywhere it is talked about i believe this is all literal Uh, Some people have also claimed that when John wrote Revelation He was actually talking about the Roman Emperor Nero as the Antichrist Uh, Proponents of this view claim that the letters which make up the name Nero add up to 666 so this was John's way of warning Christians about Nero and while Nero was definitely a Antichrist due to his harsh persecution of Christians he was not the antichrist because he never ruled the entire world or instituted anything like the mark of the beast. Uh, It could also be possible that the number 666 is somehow associated with more minor antichrists throughout the centuries until it has its ultimate correlation with the final antichrist during the end times. People have also associated uh, the number 666 with the Catholic Church and aspects of the Pope's outfit, which, again, the Catholic Church is definitely one of the largest Antichrist organizations on the entire planet, and a future Pope may likely be the Antichrist. Uh, We just need to keep in mind that the number 666 may be associated with various minor Antichrists, before the ultimate Antichrist arrives. Uh, the sect of Seventh-day Adventism is a big proponent of the view that the Catholic Church is the Antichrist, but they hold the ridiculous view that the Mark of the Beast is going to church on Sunday. Uh, and this false view can be traced back to the writings of their false prophet, Ellen White, Um And they put forth this flawed argument that the mark being in one's forehead or right hand is meant to be symbolic of working on the Sabbath, which makes no sense at all, uh, because the mark is clearly physical and will be tied directly to one's ability to participate in the economy and society. Uh, the, The argument in favor of this is just completely irrational. It lacks any systematic evidence. And you can look into this more on your own if you want to, but it's really not worth entertaining anymore here. Um, And of course, some people in recent times have thought that the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast, which is not true. Uh, The Antichrist has not been revealed or suffered his wound yet, and this must happen before the mark can be instituted. Uh, There's also not a one-world government yet. And the vaccine is primarily given in the right or left shoulder Um, so i will say though that the mindset behind the mandatory vaccination requirements for work or entering certain areas or just participating in aspects of society is definitely antichrist because the belief that one needs to get something injected into their body is on par with how the world will view the mark of the beast So I think that the world's response to COVID has actually resulted in the world being moved one tier closer to the mark of the beast. Uh, Many people have been subconsciously reprogrammed, basically, to think that it's a good thing to require people to get an injection, to participate in society, and this is the same mindset that will possess people in the end times to support the mark of the beast. Uh, Furthermore, the last two years really showed us that a large percentage of the population will just listen to whatever the government and the media tell them. And uh, it, it should be noted that the only time in history where there was anything close to a one world government would be at the Tower of Babel. And so Genesis 11 describes that shortly after the flood of Noah, the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city, and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But Yahweh came down to see the city. And the tower which the sons of men had built. And Yahweh said, Indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's language. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. We see here that the only other time that the whole world was united, mankind did something that God greatly disapproved of. And a thing to notice here is that God straight up says, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. So when the whole world is united, mankind has immense power. The tragedy, of course, is that mankind will always ultimately destroy themselves with that power due to our sinful nature. And now I know it's a lot of information. um, And if you've you've listened to this entire episode, then I am so thankful for your support and your patience. (laughs) Uh, This was definitely a more technical episode, but sometimes we really do have to turn our thinking caps on and dig deep if we want to discover the treasures that God has put in the Bible. And by no means have I covered everything on the Antichrist. I mean, you, you can look at this as just a, a simple introduction. Um, I, I would encourage you to research more on it. Um, just remember, you know, with eschatology, with the study of end times, a lot of the times the most we can do is um, just speculate and there's a lot of topics where it is really hard to form really solid conclusions. If you do want to lear- learn a little more about the Antichrist and the connection to Rome and other nations, I'd also recommend you study Daniel chapter seven in tandem with Revelation. Um, now there's some good, good YouTube videos. Uh, I'd recommend Chuck Missler. We don't agree on everything, but he's got some good information um, about the Antichrist, some thought-provoking stuff. But um, anyway, uh, again, thank you for listening. My name is Nathan, and this is the Millennial Apologist Podcast. Hope you have a great day. Bye.